We meet today in Isaiah chapter 42. The servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the scourge of idolatry, that is images, and then the servant of the Lord, as we see the nation of Israel. We find in this chapter that the nation Israel is called the servant of the Lord. Also, the Lord Jesus Christ is the servant of the Lord and is so called actually in the gospel of Mark. He made it very clear in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to save and to give his life a ransom for many. Isaiah makes frequent mention of a person called my servant, and that is what is in this chapter. This person is more than just an obedient follower of God. The Lord calls and empowers him to carry out a unique mission, one that fulfills God's eternal purposes in a very significant way. This servant is the Messiah. But the commission of the servant can also be applied in many ways to the nation of Israel itself. In a sense, Israel too was being told upon its return from Babylon to bring light to those living in spiritual blindness and moral bondage, the Gentiles. When Israel was returning, the command was, you bring light as I comfort you, as I bring light to you, you bring light to the Gentiles. The result would be a new song, a new song, a duet between ocean and coastland, wilderness and city, Kedar and Selah. Now, Kedar was also a tribe of Ishmaelites, known for its numerous flocks and marauding ways. Selah, which means rock cliffs, was another name for Petra, the capital of Edom. The Edomites, according to Genesis 36 verse 9, were descendants of Esau, who constantly feared with the Israelites. Thus Isaiah's vision is of Israel and its traditional enemies singing together a joyful song of praise to the Lord from the mountain tops to the coastlands, that is, to the ends of the earth. In doing so, Israel would be bringing light, would be a servant of the Lord. Now it is difficult to say whether the Israelites who came back from Babylon wanted to hear that they were to bring God's light to the Gentiles. It could be far easier for them to want to protect their own national interests. And in fact, there is some evidence that the people turned inward once they arrived home back in Jerusalem. Some believe that the Jews' hatred of Gentiles, so evident by Jesus' day, was spawned during this post-exilic period. So they were inward looking and never letting the light of God go out. Now the mission to bring God's light into a dark world was ultimately fulfilled by Jesus, according to John 1 verse 4 and 5. Still hundreds of years before Christ, the nation of Israel had been called by God to sing this new song as his people. Despite their refugee status, or perhaps because of it, Israel was to light the way toward God. In a similar way, Christ 
has called his church to be a light to the world. According to Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 to 16, Philippians 2 verse 15. Therefore, the question for the believer today is, in what ways are you illuminating the path toward God? Are people finding him as a result of your life or are they caused to grope about in darkness because of your darkness? So let us hear the message of the servant of Jehovah, Jesus Christ. Of course, clearly, uh, verse 1 to verse 4 of uh, Isaiah chapter 42, they speak of the servant of God. That person is an individual chosen by God to bring salvation to Israel and to bring light to the nations. In this second part of Isaiah, there are four distinct messianic servants of the Lord, uh, or the prophecies talking about the servant of the Lord. Uh, for example, chapter 42, verse 1 to verse 7, talks of another. 49, verse 1 to verse 7, talks another. 50, verse 4 to verse 11. 52, verse 13 to verse to 53, verse 12. All these four, they talk of the servant of the Lord. Now, in addition, Israel is collectively called the servant. I talked about that. Now, it is important at all times to distinguish between the two types of servant prophecies. The New Testament consistently applies the messianic servant passage to Jesus, according to Matthew 12, verse 17 to verse 20. So, the particular one we are looking, according to Matthew, as the New Testament talks about it, it is referring to Jesus. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect, one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42 verse 1. Now imagine if you were suffering unjustly at the hands of ruthless, godless people. They have stolen your property. They have slaughtered your relatives and threatened your own life. You have cried out to God for help. And now the Lord replies and he comes to you. He says, I will bring justice into the situation. However, to your shock, his justice will be not only for you, but even for your oppressors as well. How would you feel? This was the surprising message that Isaiah actually delivered to the people of Judah in this prophecy concerning the servant of the Lord. The prophet said that God's elect, one was coming. What was he coming to do? To bring justice to the Gentiles. This must have been a rude awakening to the children of Israel. Yet throughout Isaiah's prophecies, the Lord said again and again that they were not the only people whom he cared about and who fit into his plans. He was seeking the salvation of the Gentiles too, even though many of the Gentile nations abused and oppressed the Israelites. The New Testament reveals that the servant of the Lord predicted by Isaiah uh, is Christ here. He came to establish justice for the whole world. He would open blind eyes and free prisoners. In carrying out this mission, 
he encountered hostility from his own people as well. And you can understand why the Israelites are saying the Gentiles have been abusing us. They've been putting us into captivity. And now he comes instead of putting them into their proper place and dealing with them. He comes and he invites all of us to come to him. Unthinkable it was for the Jews. Now, from the beginning of creation, God has had the whole world in view as the object of his love, mercy, and salvation. What a wonderful hope this is for all people of all nations. This is where I come in. I would not even be qualified. Is this a truth that affects the way you deal with people who do not know God, especially if they are from cultures and backgrounds that differ from your own? God has a broader view. The Messiah, the servant who would come, will bring salvation to the Israelites, but also to the whole world. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering flask, he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Isaiah 42, verse 3. Now, this verse again characterizes the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was here. He speaks of a bruised reed that he will not break. The Lord didn't move in with a club against sin. No, no. He simply let sin bring its own judgment. The smoldering flux he will not quench. Now, the man who keeps on in sin will find that it will break out in flames finally. The wages of sin is death. And it is always that. You can't change that. But again, there is an interesting thing that comes to my mind when I think of a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering flux, flux he will not quench. I grew up with my parents uh, as peas and farmers, and we didn't have many cattle, uh, just a few. But you would always observe that when people who had a large head of cattle, when one of them is limping or has had a, a broken leg or something, they didn't mind about just healing it and making sure that it gets back to its feet. The easiest thing was to just slaughter that beast and they have meat because they have plenty. On the contrary, my father who had just a small head, when something has happened to his beast, he will do everything to support that broken limb so that it stays in its place. The Messiah did not come into the world like a rich person who does not care what happens to one little poor animal and say if it is broken, if it has a broken leg, kill it. That was not his attitude. Even when you are bruised and broken, he would not break. Rather, he came to mend and put it in place. I tell you, my friend, this world knows what to do with the people who have been bruised. This world knows what to do with those who have been shamed. But Christ says, I come, I will not break you. He wants to give you salvation. Even when you think of how Israel was broken, he wanted to mend them. When the Gentiles have been made outcast, he still brings them on. That's the characteristic of the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that ought to characterize our ministry today, my friend. We should not break those who are already bruised. We should not snuff out those who are smoldering. But we should enable them by bringing the message of light to give light again, to be rejuvenated and to be healed. So this is a marvelous section as it presents the Lord Jesus Christ as God's servant. We as God's servants ought to do the same. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Isaiah 42, verse 6 to verse 7. You see, the servant of this passage is to be a covenant to the people. This is the covenant of peace mentioned in Isaiah 54 verse 10 and the everlasting covenant of Isaiah 61 verse 8. It is also the new covenant mentioned in Jeremiah 31 verse 31 to verse 34. The servant will heal Israel from spiritual blindness. The personal character of the servant is clear and presents a sharp contrast to national Israel, whose people are still blind and dwell in darkness. As old Simeon prophesied in Luke chapter 2 verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. You see, the phrase, a light to the Gentiles, is a reference to the fact that the gospel of Christ extends to every man. Christ died for all, according to Acts chapter 4 verse 12. We now move on to the scourge of idolatry, the scourge of images. Now Isaiah begins God's polemic against idolatry. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Isaiah 42 verse 8. You see, God is saying, I will not share my glory with another. I am the Lord, that is my name. And of course, the word Lord here is Jehovah, the one with no equal. Now he talks about the scourge of idolatry and the judgment of God which it will bring upon the people or anyone who practice idolatry. I will make waste mountains and hills. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs and I will make the rivers islands and I will dry up the pools. Isaiah 42 verse 15. In other words, the physical earth will be affected by the judgment of God because of idolatry. He goes on further to say, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them into in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. And these things I will do for them and not forsake them. You see, as always in Isaiah's prophecies, there is a message of hope in the midst of his announcement of destruction. The blind are those who are spiritually blind and who will come to the light of God's gracious truth. This is the way God leads his own people. 
you and I are blind to the future, but he is not. He will lead us if we put our trust in him. They shall be turned black. They shall be greatly ashamed. Who trust in carved images, who say to the molded images, you are our gods. Isaiah 42 verse 17. You see, the idolaters are warned that judgment is coming. And what will happen? You will be greatly ashamed if you trust in carved images, if you trust in molded images and going before them and saying, you are our God. Now, Israel as the servant of the Lord is the subject we would like to look at. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger, whom I send? Who is blind as he who is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? Isaiah 42 verse 19. Here he identifies the blind servant as his own people Israel. This is God's condemnation of his people. Even though he gave them eyes, even though he gave them the light, the commandments, his special favor, they still did not see. But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes, and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey, and no one delivers, for plunder, and no one says, Restore. Isaiah 42, verse 22. You see, the nation Israel is the subject in this verse. They are a people robbed and plundered. Why? Because they turned away from God, and they have turned to idols. The people of Israel are robbed and plundered because they have sinned against the Lord. Thus the prophet asks the question, Who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the Lord? He against whom we have sinned, for they would not walk in his ways, nor were they obedient to his law. Isaiah 42 verse 24 and of course, the answer to that question, who is it that gave Jacob as plunder or Israel to be robbed? The answer is the Lord. He is the ultimate source of Israel's judgment and devastation. Yet the prophet bemoans. He did not put it to heart. That is, he did not repent as a result of these judgments. They should have repented. And like many people today, even though the truth of God comes vividly into their minds and they understand it, the question is, do you repent? Do you turn to God? Do you change your ways because you have heard God's word and his message is that clear? The people and the nation are identified here as Israel. God scattered them, but he will also regather them. That is not their end. He will bring them back. Therefore he has poured on him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle. It has set him on fire all around, yet he did not know, and it burned him, yet he did not take it to heart. Isaiah 42 verse 25 Now, my friend, the chastening of the Lord did not cause the nation of Israel to repent and return to him. Did this frustrate the purposes of God? 
The answer, of course, is no, as we shall even see in the next chapter. God continues to plow through with his plan and his purpose no one will frustrate. But one of the greatest tragedies of man's dealings with God is man's inability to internalize the working of God in the midst of his own circumstances. In other words, we may fully experience the hand of God upon us through an act of his judgment and nevertheless refuse to acknowledge it as such. We must learn to acknowledge God's hand upon our lives even through what is happening in the natural world in the history of men. Again, I would like to repeat these words. God is the sole actor in the affairs of men. He is not absent. He is not removed from what is happening and looking from afar. He is there and he brings judgment. And so sometimes when we reflect on wars and other things that just happen, we might need to turn to the Lord and look into our spiritual condition to see if we are not under judgment. Sometimes people who are going through a judgment will continue to blame natural disasters and maybe social ills and the like without looking into the inside part. How are you spiritually? When your family is threatened by crumbling, is it simply one plus one? Or it may be an indication of a spiritual condition. Turning to the Lord at that time may be the solution. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org